Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I got a call from a Bob, but not just any Bob. It was Bob and Downers Grove. Danny, you are just the biggest idiot in the world. And Tanny, he called this the matchup of the weekend. Here we go, Jim. This is going to be a big Here one. we go, Tony. We are ready, folks. But um, it went down. It's the thing about Brock Purdy and and you and Spiegel. Like, uh, you know, I listen to you guys every day. You don't know anything. You, you've never, like, lined up in a competitively athletic situation in your life. First of all, have you? And that's the, oh, we got to fight. College football. What level? D3. D3. Okay. So, yeah. congratulations. Not exactly great football. Thank you. All right. Oh God. <laughs> Point, Bob. Point to Bob. What well, are I'm you doing right now? Like, literally the act of what you're doing right now is what? Watching football. No, no, no. This exact moment. 8.20 in the morning. Watching, what are you doing? Watching football. And right. you are offering right. what? An opinion? You have an opinion, and I have an opinion, and neither of our opinions mean anything except mine puts the roof over my head. That's the difference. Mine does, too. Oh, my gosh. This is the most perfect maybe ever. I mean, this is unbelievable back and forth. Oh. All right, we'll do, we'll do the last part of the call, and then you guys can tell me who won, me or Bob. But only one team wins every year, right? I, like, you know, so, I can't get so anything past you. Me, explain to me how Joe Burrow is so generational that he won anything. He's won he an won. AFC championship game. That's not a thing. You either win the Super Bowl or you lose. You make Now, now you're you making the, the argument that the only thing that matters is a championship. No, I, I don't think that. I think you that just, you What are you talking about? Uh-oh, get out. Oh, no. Bob, do you have short-term memory loss? A little bit, probably, yes. Oh, my goodness. This is so incredibly crazy right there, what just happened. I suffer from short-term memory loss. A little bit, probably, yes. Bob won, right? I think you might have won. What do you think, Tanny? I mean, he was up watching football. He was. He's a football guy. I'm real, watching Real it. football guy. Yeah, man. Make some noise for you. What a performance. Deep in touch, he says. Here's looking at you, kid. You're looking at the greatest right there. One, two, three. And here we go, Jim. Here we go. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Tony. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Thanks for hanging out. It is Parkins and Spiegel. On the score, Gabe Ramirez is in for Speaks. Where's Speaks? He's in the Dominican with his uh, with his wife and his brother, scouting shortstops. I love when you say that. That's what he does. Man that we used to call the Dominican dandy. <laughs> That's what he's doing. He's hanging out. He's having a good time. 
down there. It's annual trip to the islands. I'm trying to imagine Speaks just in the Dominican Republic and just, yeah. 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 You don't get off those islands by walking. You get off there by swinging that bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to say? What are you supposed to say to that? You're supposed to say, "I can't ima- I can't believe he had as long of a career as he did." That's that's what you're supposed to say. I love Hog though. Yeah, an original, an original, one, one of one for sure. That's yeah, a- you saying Hawk said something he wasn't supposed to say? I know it's crazy, right? It's absolutely crazy. Don't get me started, Shane. <laughs> oh God, have we seen who got into the Hall of Fame yet? I haven't seen it. There's no way to know. Okay. Well, we'll let they drag out their show. Oh, that's true. You know, that's true. The show starts at five. Okay. I bet Jalen Johnson knows already. He's not telling us. That's right. He he probably does. He probably does. Um, Jalen going to be the highest paid cornerback in the league? I think. Jair Alexander sitting there with 23. I think that it is probably heading towards a franchise tag. Okay. Um, they could do it. Like they, they could easily afford that contract. And he said highest paid corner in the league. There are two routes you could go. Because Denzel Ward actually got more on like the total guarantee, but it was a longer deal, so lower average annual value. Uh so like does he want to be highest AAV or does he want to be highest total guarantee? Um, I'm not sure. But Jalen's a confident dude. He's a proud guy. He asked for a trade this year. They could have signed him earlier. They didn't. Then he goes out and makes Pro Bowl and second team all pro and has the best PFF coverage grade of anyone in the NFL this year. So you're saying they sneaky franchise tag him, hoping he doesn't perform as well and they can get a discount on the regular contract? I, I just think I think that a franchise tag actually is cheaper than highest paid. You know, it's average of top 10 highest paid salaries at the position. So that's cheaper. Now, it's not a long-term deal, but it also buys you time. You can negotiate off of it. So I, my guess is this drags out for, for quite a while. That would, be, that would be my guess. I would hope they get the job done. I, yeah, they should. Just because, like, I mean, especially because where the Bears are at right now in their rebuild, doing something like this and then incentivizing your players and saying, hey, if you perform at a high level, we will reward you and not beat around the bush when it comes to your future and what it looks like here in Chicago. So, like, what better player to create that example with than Jalen Johnson in the season that he's had? I mean, this is the moment to do it. That's why I say it. I I agree. And it's a premium position for a young dude who you drafted that all the dudes on your defense really, really like. You took care of Cole Komet. He hasn't produced anywhere near what Jalen Johnson has produced. And Cole Komet was a top 10 tight end in the NFL this year. But – not as premium of position, and Jalen Jalen did everything that they asked of them. Uh, Bob Nightingale is reporting Adrian Beltre will soon be announced as the newest Hall of Famer. He is expected to be joined by Joe Maurer and Todd Helton. The biggest suspense surrounds the candidacy of Billy Wagner on the ballot for the ninth time would be a shoe-in next year if he falls short. So that's from Bob Nightingale. We'll get the percentages as soon as it is revealed. But so we've both interviewed Charlie Weiss. Uh, I've interviewed him a few times. I interviewed him back in Kansas City a little bit, interviewed him on this show. Uh, he's an interesting guy to talk to. To say the least. Because in my experience with him, he is, it is so confident 
but it blends into cockiness and arrogance and like I kind of respect it. The right amount of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a healthy amount. It's it's a it's a healthy amount. He states his opinion as fact, and that's great. Like I'm like you could be a talk show host if you had a little bit more energy. Uh, but you ask him a question, he will give you an answer. Charlie, I appreciate you hanging out with me, man. I, I hope I get to t- talk with you again uh, some, some, sometime soon for a little bit longer. Oh, you 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 won't. This is <laughs> this is your one time deal. <laughs> That's great, amazing. And I told you, I told you, you said that was great, and I kept him for like another for like. Okay, fine, then I'm gonna keep you. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Yeah. yeah, this is your one time. Okay, <laughs> we're talking to Charlie Weiss here on six seventy The Score host of airing it out for Sirius XM, NFL Radio, and, of course, former Notre Dame head coach. Uh, also coached the Patriots for a little bit. Uh, got <laughs> a couple of rings. A of- little bit? Nine years? What do you mean a little bit? That was a tongue-in-cheek I mean, moment, right? Charlie. A tongue-in-cheek moment. From the you beginning, know? he was like, wasted. A uh, couple of Super duty. Bowls. A couple of Super Bowls. Yeah. You know, no big deal, you know. Just get a chance to chat with the guy. Oh, hold it. Not a couple of Super Bowls. We won three out of four there. <laughs> you know, I mean, so when you say a couple of Super Bowls, let's not slight it. Oh, my God. You had your Larry King, Jerry Seinfeld moment. It was great. Have you seen, I loved it. Have you seen Seinfeld on Larry King? It's one of the best clips on, on the internet. Okay. He goes, you, uh, show ended. You, you weren't canceled, were you? And Jerry goes, canceled 75 million viewers for the finale larry number one he's like easy take it easy he's like oh there's a little bit of a difference between being canceled and being number one so you this is cnn right so yeah in that couple of seasons he tells nine yeah yeah yeah, nine seasons couple of super bowls there's three out of four that's a that's fantastic it was great like i said he he was it was friday night yeah Throwing it back. Well, that's an allegation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you didn't blow into a breathalyzer before he came on. Let's you. drop it allegedly on there. We talked to Wani from Naples. What do you think he's doing, Gabe? Yeah, yeah. Alle- oh, at allegedly, 4 p.m. allegedly, he's having a cocktail because I heard his interview with you guys last week. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so uh, Charlie Weiss has worked with Shane Waldron in New England and then brought him actually to uh, to Notre Dame. So he, know, he knows him well. He was on with Mully and Haw. Here is Charlie Weiss's opinion and history with Shane Waldron. When I went to Notre Dame, I brought Shane with me from New England. Uh, he was wor- working in an administrative capacity, and uh, he came with me when, when, when we came, and then he transferred from an administrative capacity to a coaching capacity. And you know the rest is history. I mean, you you can track his tr- uh, track his history and how th- how he's evolved and developed and worked under some good coaches and then took over took over the offense in Seattle and that's been that's been fairly, fairly successful. And I think that when you're looking for an offensive coordinator, you, you got to find a fit to start off with. And I think that. Obviously, that's what the brain trust in, in Chicago feels because it looks to me like they brought in a bunch of you know quality candidates and 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 decided on Shane. He's a very smart guy and a very hard worker. And if you don't have those two qualities, it really doesn't make a difference on everything else because if you're not smart and if you're not a hard worker, then you don't have a chance right off the bat. Now, watching him as he's evolved into a, 
a more authoritative type of position as a play caller, he always seems very calm. And that's one of the things that I always think as a play caller, you have to be be able to keep your composure because it's easy to it's easy to you know be all excited when things are going well, but it's it's how you handle when things aren't going well, and throughout a course of a game that really separates the the good play callers from from the shaky play callers, and he's always very composed. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how to judge that. <laughs> like, like, is he saying that I've seen him? On, I've seen play callers on the sideline like be jittery. You know, I I I don't know how to judge. Like, I, it's totally in play that a coach would have the ability to judge that and be able to tell, and I wouldn't be able to. Like, he's a calm play caller. I don't know what that means. I love the fact that he said. You know, when he finally got into a position of power, right, where he was actually making the play calls, because it seemed as though we heard it, you know, from multiple, from Jay, now from Charlie, where, you know, he's a mild-mannered guy, kind of chill. But then, he, he, you know, he wasn't really, didn't have much responsibility, but now he did have it. And so I would have loved to, loved to learn more about his time in Seattle, just like what, what he was like there on the sidelines. Was he jittery, as Charlie Weiss was saying? Because then that would mean what? You know, you're, you're, when you're when you're prepped up, you're cool as a cucumber. But then when fourth quarter, you know, you lose the lead, you know, then you start to, to, to fumble with the plays a little bit. It's a question for Wani, maybe off the record. Any jittery play callers in your day? Yeah. <laughs> like those guys that are holding up the card in front of their face, maybe they're going, oh, my God. <laughs> can't believe it. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a good what point. Do? Yeah, no, no, we'll put that in the notes uh, for, for Wani on Thursday. Absolutely. And, I mean, we'll just judge how many bourbons have had, whether it has to be off the record or on the record. It's like Matt Nagy staring into that sheet like he's an elementary school kid who's it's turn to read and he can't find what paragraph you're at. <laughs> oh, God, Damn it, know. what play do I run? I'm going to guess. <laughs> Wide receiver screen. Uh, all right, here is Charlie Weiss on both his history with Ryan Poles, but maybe more significantly why he's not out on Justin Fields. Now, I don't know if a decision's been made, but I'm sure the subject has been discussed. You know, I I know from looking from afar. Now, I'm not in the building, and I don't work with Justin Fields. You know, and I know of Caleb Williams, and I have, I know of May, and I know of Daniels. I You know, I know of these guys. I have a lot of confidence in Ryan Poles. I've known him since when he was a young pup as well. I mean, you talk about Shane being a young pup with me. Well, Ryan was – when I was with the one year I was with the Chiefs, he was another one of those young – those young guys in the scouting department. And here he is, the general manager of the Bears, getting ready to make probably the most consequential decisions that the Bears have made in quite some time. Okay, so you know Poles, he's going to call you and ask you, what do I do here? What no, would you he's t- not going to call just, I'm kidding. He has more common sense than that. He's not going <laughs> to call me. I would have loved to work with Justin Fields. I've seen enough of Justin Fields from, from college right through now to think that you could win with Justin Fields. If they felt that way, that I mean, they're in even a bigger power position than if they don't feel that way. Because if they felt that way, think about the resources that you could get for this number one pick. Mm-hmm. It, even if you went down a pick or two picks, just think about the resources, you know, the, the draft choices the alloc- that you'd be able to get 
in return for selling this pick because so many people think so highly of Caleb Williams. So, you know, everyone I talk to, I happen to think, you know, I happen to be really high on Jaden Daniels. You know, my kid coaches in the Southeast Conference at Ole Miss, so I've got to see more of Jaden Daniels. And my, and my kid was involved with recruiting Caleb Williams when he was living in Oklahoma. So I know a lot about, I know a lot about him, too. And it's positive in both these cases. But I've, wa- I've seen evidence of Justin Fields in the NFL. And tell me, tell, let me ask you a question. What, how do you think Jay, Justin Fields would look if the guy on the other side of the field from that number two receiver, that number two guy, happened to be Marvin Harrison Jr.? How do you, how do you think that would look? It's a, it's the argument to make. The argument to make is is that Justin Fields is good. He's not a bust, and you can get a ton to build around him with. That's the argument. I, what I don't love about the that argument personally, is that you're not always going to have a bunch of stuff around him. So I want, I do want the quarterback who can elevate inferior talent but so if you're telling me he needs dj moore and marvin harrison jr and a top 10 picket tackle and this and it's like well that's not gonna always be there for him and i would rather have the quarterback that elevates the guys around him as opposed to needing all of the other guys to be right to elevate the quarterback me personally when i was listening to charlie you hear him say you know what I've seen Justin do at the NFL level, right? He spoke specifically about that and the successes that he's seen. And I just, I think that there are a lot of OCs out there for offensive heads that look at a guy like Justin Fields and say to themselves, yeah, they're doing it wrong. And I think I can fix that. And I think that happens a lot of times in fill in the blank with the profession, right? Where you feel as though you can fix something because you yourself have, 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 have had success on your own, creating something on your own. So you think you can then just pass it off to someone else and see it as well. And I think that's what Charlie Weiss sees in Justin Fields. But I think if you're looking at a guy like Jay Gruden, right, another head, an offensive mind, the coach, and he says, you can't win with mediocre, right? You can't win with good. With, with good. And and so, I, I, I don't know, I lean on that. I think the opportunity is there. I think, you know, the, 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 to, to get something, you know, good, and my big fear and, and my one constant fear with Justin Fields having a Marvin Harrison Jr. and and a, and a DJ Moore is that he can't get the ball to his weapons enough to where it's then beneficial to the team offensively. And they do have this explosive offense that people think is going to exist if they get Marvin Harrison Jr. And I'm not saying that he can't, but there's nothing that proves that that is going to be the case when you're looking at the body of work of Justin Fields. Yeah, it. listen, I obviously think that if he was throwing the Marvin Harrison Jr. instead of Tyler Scott at times this year, he'd have more production. I I I think I think that is true. But Danny, you go look at his stats from last year to this year with DJ Moore, and they're not, you know, they're they're not, they didn't increase at a level that you would say to yourself, okay, well, you have DJ Moore, then they should go up X amount, and now if I give you Marvin Harrison Jr., then they should go up Y. Like that that's not there, and that's the that's the part that I have that's missing. I agree, and while I don't think there's a world where Marvin Harrison Jr. is bad in the NFL. I don't think that is very likely, obviously. These guys are not locks either at 
other positions. It's We have first-round bust wide receivers all the time. Jalen, I think, was it Jalen Rager was drafted? uh, Before Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, right? It's hard to do. Henry Ruggs was the top receiver (laughs) uh, in in his year. Um, Amari Cooper, good player. He's the fourth pick in the draft. He hasn't lived up to being the fourth pick in the draft. He's had some monster games. He's had some good runs. He's a good player. But uh, Charles uh, Robinson, the old guy back on the uh, on the what's the guy's name? The Rogers, um, Carlos Rogers. I was thinking on, on the Lions back in the day. Carlos Rogers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Blackman. Like these guys are can't. Quinn met. Johnston last year. I mean, yeah, yeah. But first round top receivers in their class, dudes who don't live up to the billing. So Kevin White, Kevin, yeah. Kevin White. Uh, uh. Yeah. So it just David Terrell. It, <sighs> it, it's just not. It's not a lock with the other dudes either, and that's what people I think leave out of it. Oh, just trade it, get a bunch of picks, build build around. Well, what if you don't get it right at those picks, and then the quarterback that you said needs a stud receiver other than DJ Moore, he's not a stud, and now you're back left with exactly what you just had. Like I think the people only look at the risk of Caleb. And don't look at the risk of Which is Joe, silly. Joe Alt. Well, and or, not, well, not only Joe Alt, but of Justin Fields. I'm saying any player other than right. Caleb Williams. And I, and I think that that's the biggest. Obviously, everybody's like, oh, well, you don't know if Caleb Williams is going to be good. Well, you don't know Justin Fields is going to pan out. You don't know that if you give Justin Fields Marvin Harrison Jr., yes, like you mentioned, should he be better? Yeah, sure, of course. I hope you're better. You have Marvin Harrison Jr. But are you good enough? But are you going to be exactly? Are and, you going to be that good? And again, you're about to get paid. Yes, you're not going to get paid $250 million. But Josh Allen's cap hit is about to go up significantly next year, which means it'll be tougher to build around Josh Allen, which means they've missed the window where it's the easiest to field the competitive team around him. So next year, Josh Allen has 18 interceptions, but they've got a lot more rookies on the, on the deal because they're carrying a $50 million cap hit for their quarterback. It's going to be harder to field the competitive team. Yeah, and speaking of the Bills, another team that, you know, Got a lot of draft picks to move out of a spot to pass up on a quarterback, which is who the Chiefs ended up drafting, right? Yeah. Bills and Chiefs make that swap. Bills get the draft picks. Chiefs get Patrick Mahomes. Ask him over this past weekend who, who they wish they would have. Dude, that's the – I know people – oh, he's not going to be Mahomes. Oh, we don't know. We don't know that. Like, is he going to be C.J. Stroud? <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. he going to be that good? Is he going to is he going to slide into the? For me, what's important, Danny, is he going to be a a top ten quarterback? Because yeah. when you look at the fourteen teams that made the playoffs, the top ten quarterbacks are in the playoffs, point blank period, and they yeah, usually Burrow, are Burrow, every year. Burrow was hurt. But Sons, yeah. right. I'm talking about this year. Even if you look at who the best were this year, the top ten this year. I see. Yeah. Even without with Burrow, Burrow being hurt, they're in the playoffs. And so for me, I just I want that. I want that luxury. I want that luxury of you know. Being two games out of the playoffs with six left to go like the Bills and thinking to yourself, oh, well, we're still going to make it. Because why? We have, a, we have an elite quarterback that can will us to these victories for the, last, the tail end of the season. That's what I want. I don't want it to be third and seven praying to my abuelita that, that we're going to convert. I want to just know that Patrick Mahomes is going to get it done or Josh Allen is going to get it done. I want the quarterback that's just going to get it done. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Because for the past, oh, my gosh, forever – we haven't had that luxury in Chicago, and I think here there's an opportunity. Will it pan out? Will it be the, the a surefire answer? We don't know, but you know what? 
the possibility exists that it can be that. And I'm here for it. That When it comes to this conversation, it's not I think Justin Fields sucks. It's, hey, guys, why can't we be greedy as a fan base and want greatness and, and, and the possibility of it actually happening? Well, yeah, and greatness at that position. Yes. You've got to mess up a lot of things around him to not have some serious success. Like, Justin Herbert's great, and they've messed up a lot around him. But they still have their dude for the next 10 years, and maybe this new general manager and the next coach figure it out. But they've got, they've got greatness at that position. You have greatness at receiver. There's, <laughs> that, that doesn't get you anything. An angry, it, gets you an angry wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, think about it. DJ Moore is a great receiver. Never had a good quarterback. I think if Terry McLaurin went to Kansas City, people would be like, damn, Terry McLaurin, 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns, great wide receiver. But he's been in Washington. So everyone's like, yeah, he's pretty good. I, I got him in the fourth round of my fantasy draft. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like it's But quarterbacks can elevate all of those other dudes. They can, they can make Nico Collins and Tank Dell household names because C.J. Stroud's that guy. Charlie Weiss continues to make the case for Justin Fields, though, on what he can improve over time in the NFL. Next on The Score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. A source told the Parkinson Spiegel Show on 670 The Score. I know those guys. Afternoons on The Score. Ask me a question about Stanford, please. Welcome back. We will play more Charlie Weiss in just a second. We've got Gabe Ramirez in for... Matt Spiegel, did you say on the air what you just told me right before the break? Scott Merkin just tweeted out, Mark Burley had 32 votes. 8.3% of the vote remains on the ballot for another year. So that's down from last year. It's just, it is not happening. This Haters. Way. I'm just saying it's not going to happen this way. Uh, veteran committee, something He's like that. He's on the team for next year. All right, that's, see, that's a, that's, a positive, <laughs> that's a positive slant. On it, because he like was an t- adult make a wish thing, and Burley's just like, "Yeah, <laughs> oh I'd really God. like to be in the Hall of Fame." Oh All right, we'll make it happen, God. man. He doesn't even care that much. But you know, the Parkinson Spiegel show could be the beginning of the tsunami. You know, that doesn't seem very likely. We can try. <laughs> you know, you're part of the Parkinson Spiegel show. Oh, wait, oh, what? What? <laughs> that doesn't seem very likely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I mean, how many people vote for the Hall of Fame? It's a lot of people. Not a lot of Chicagoans. Yeah. I know Vegas Hall voted for him. Maybe not like enough Bur- of them are Mark Burley's family members, apparently. Yeah. I think Cowley still has a ballot, and I think he's a Burley guy every time. Uh, that's good. We need, like, insider information. You know, get the list, send us some Burley burgers, you does, know. Does Teddy Greenstein still have a vote? Because I remember arguing with him on the air about his ballot because I just thought that there were, like, logical inconsistencies in it, and he's like, it's my ballot. That was his comeback. I was now like, that he's all gambling, I doubt he does anymore, right? I don't know. I don't know how grandfathered in it is. Like, I mean, Joe Cowley doesn't cover baseball. True. Uh, but, yeah, like, I remember Teddy was just like, yeah, it's just my ballot, so I vote how I want. I'm like, oh, that's your criteria. Down to a science. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> well, then, honestly, like, I, I respected his honesty so much. I was like, well, I can't. Then I don't know what we're arguing about here because, like, you'll literally take your bat and go home. Like, okay. Fine. Charlie Weiss, again with Mully and Haw, was uh, pretty adamant that he thought that Fields could be a high-level player uh, in the NFL, and this was him uh, answering the question on if a quarterback can improve his accuracy over time. As a matter of fact, you can. You know, as a matter of fact, you can. You know, so when people say that, it's a rhetorical question. Obviously, you've made the judgment, but, you know, from working with quarterbacks, you can improve accuracy. 
That's the thing. The anticipatory throws, those are the things that he has to work on. Yeah, yeah, but you and I don't know what he was taught either. That's true. You know, we don't know what he's been taught in there. We don't know what he's been told to do. We're saying just we're making that based off of the judgment from watching games saying, God, that guy was wide open. Well, what if that's not the guy he was supposed to be looking at? Hmm. I mean, I, I love watching watching analysts sit there and say, well, he obviously missed that one. Not necessarily true because maybe that's not where he was supposed to go based off of that play. I mean, unless you're sitting in there, that's why I'm saying I do not have the insight that they have. I mean, between the GM, the head coach, the offensive staff, they know what's supposed to happen on every play. I mean, your defense all of a sudden got a lot better when they when that when they all of a sudden yep. they picked up the sweat guy, yep. and now now all now you have a legit pass rusher added to that defense. All of a sudden, your defense looked a hell of a lot better. Well, I'm my ask the same question: What if you want to draft a quarterback? Take take the guy that take, take Caleb Williams. Take the guy you think is that generational player. But for, before you do that, get the most you possibly can for Justin Fields, so that you so you sell you sell when it's high, not when sell uh, sell when it's low. You don't play your cards. You go ahead and put them on the market and see what you can get for them. Now, if you like if you like Justin Fields, think about the then then you put the draft choice on the market. But don't but don't be willing to go down very far, so they could still get what the pre one of the premier guys that would help make your team better. I listen. I agree with that. They have to do all their due diligence, see what you can get for Fields, see what you can get for the number one pick, scout Drake May and Jaden Daniels, and maybe you grade them out at exactly the same grade as Caleb Williams. Then obviously you should trade down, do the personality deep dive. What is Trent uh, Dilfer would say, the stuff bucket. Does Caleb Williams have a lot of the stuff, the intangibles, the leadership? Are there red flags there? Do all of that due diligence. I just expect that the guy who drafted Mahomes is going to look at the film and say, I can't pass on a guy who looks like the guy that I drafted who since has been in the AFC Championship game every year of his career. Or even just because I, I, Danny, I often wonder, you know, where did polls have C.J. Stroud rated, right, and graded, excuse me, in, in, in comparison to Bryce Young, and just just because I'm wondering, like, if you thought he was the top quarterback, you say, yeah, you know what, but I'm gonna wait till next year, and then you see him play the way that he played, you're gonna be saying to yourself, okay, I don't want to do this again, I don't want to feel this again, so if I'm, I'm gonna trust my gut this time, grade him out properly, and who I want, that's who I, that's who I feel like I'm gonna take. My guess is is that he did the full evaluation of those guys last year, but felt genuinely that Justin deserved another year to prove it, given that it, he is talented, he had done some incredible things, and it was in a year where they had the most dead cap space in the NFL, and he was guaranteed to be cheap for a while. So I, And those guys were not as highly graded of prospects, and he was able to get four assets. You I was going to say, for, and weighing for, it against for, that for one, as well. Right? And now you can get four assets or five assets for one again, and that is obviously the argument against it. It's just, it's another year of Justin not breaking out, and it's another, it's a better quarterback class. 
and he's closer to being expensive. So there are a lot of things that have changed from last year. Let me tell you, let me see if you think that this changes anything. This is from Albert Breer. Someone just texted this to me, and I had not read his mailbag uh, column, his Tuesday notes column. So bad job by me for not reading this before the show. Little note in here about the Bears. Give Bears coach Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles credit for moving swiftly to fill their offensive coordinator opening, tabbing Shane Waldron. Not only does Waldron bring three years of play-calling experience, he was in high demand. He'd interviewed for the Patriots opening and was on the Raiders' radar as that search got off the ground with Antonio Pierce in place now. I'd wondered whether it would be tough for the Bears to find the right guy, given the perception that 2024 will be a make-or-break year for the football folks at Hallis Hall. But because they moved fast, they were able to meet with a good range of people. They even traveled to California to sit down with Rams pass game coordinator Zach Robinson and USC's Cliff Kingsbury and sell their job to a guy who had some options. And here's where it gets interesting. Of course, the chance potentially to coach USC's Caleb Williams was something mentioned to me as a drawing card by candidates for the job, in parentheses, though Eberflus did defend Justin Fields in the interviews, as I understand it. Hmm. What do you think that means? defend Justin Fields in the interviews. That's an interesting way to phrase that. Like an offensive coordinator pre-surmising that he's coming in to coach a rookie and Eberflus saying, no, 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 we really liked him. I mean, that definitely gives credence to the idea that Eberflus was a fan of Justin maybe this it was, year and it was more of a Getsy issue. Yeah, well, maybe it was defending That's interesting. You know what, what was being done with Justin Fields where somebody's like, yeah, you know, I would have done this. You know, because that's such a... That could mean so many things, right? It could have he could have defended a moment. He could have defended an, a, a situation, and then all of a sudden it becomes he's yep. defending Justin Fields. Yep. But I could see where, yes, yeah, somebody would be coming in, right, trying to say what they would do, and then you you have a a a bit of defensiveness that comes out in trying to defend what you then did with Justin Fields during the season. We can all agree that Justin Fields didn't have a fair shake for his Bears career, right? No question. So I think that's part of it, too. Like, acknowledging that kid got a raw deal before your flu season got here, but also I think they know where their roster was even last year. Like, it wasn't Definitely. The, the best spot for a quarterback to thrive. So you have to acknowledge that. Also, you don't want to bury the kid because he's been a great representation of your organization. But also, how does that look to a new person coming in when you're just bus-tossing you know, your personnel. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's a bad look also. So I think that's just a diplomatic way to, to play it. But also, I think it's also you got you kind of have to talk like, hey, we're not totally sold on what we're going to do yet because you don't want that leaking out either. Well, that that's what I wonder if it is. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I wonder if it's like, let's say because he uses the example of uh, them flying to California for Zach Robinson and Cliff Kingsbury. Let's say Albert Breer's source is uh, Zach Robinson and He's like, yeah, like I went in there with, you know, my plan for Caleb and the, you know, like what I saw from him out here on the West Coast and I've I've You met, guys want this guy. I've I've met him at Nobu and he's great, <laughs> and, you know, all these things. And then Eberflus is like and then he says to Albert Breer, he's like, but then but then Eberflus kept talking about talking about fields. I could see that being an anecdote that would be interesting uh to Albert Breer, but you can't tip your hand in this interview. Because you've got to do this whole process. And I hope that Ryan Poles hasn't made his decision yet. I hope he hasn't. And again, I've made my decision only assuming Ryan Poles doesn't find something about the character that completely turns him off. Because this is a tough spot to walk into, man. It's a locker room that loves Justin Fields with a team that will have expectations to win double-digit games and go to the playoffs. 
in a city that chanted Justin Fields' name in his last home game in a the only market in the NFL that's never had a 4,000-yard passer and a 30-touchdown uh, quarterback. So Caleb needs to be a galvanizing leader, mentally tough, can handle the pressure. Like th- This is not an easy situation for a rookie to walk into in terms of expectations. It's a great situation to walk into compared to most number one overall picks in terms of most number one picks go to crappy teams, and the Bears are not a crappy team. They inherited the number one pick from a different crappy team. But in terms of pressure, like you've got to – I don't like I I can't answer that, and I don't know if Ryan Poles will be able to answer that. When talking to his high school coach, did he did it seem confident? Because I, I heard it, but it did. did you taking away like, what was your assessment of of that very scenario that you're talking about, and whether or not I, I he could handle it? Listen, obviously the high school coach loves him and is going to say positive things. He said he was tough as hell. He was a gamer. He wasn't afraid of anything. You know, and he's risen to challenges throughout his career, right? So, like, he – I think that's, like, the type of thing that you're going to need to get from the fifth-year senior on the offensive line who's at USC because of film school <laughs> and is not going to go play football. And, hey, did you ever see Caleb hang his head in the huddle? Yeah. Okay. You, you, you know, like, like I, I don't think that a Caleb guy is going to – gonna break bad on that one you know but we haven't heard anyone break bad on Caleb right no it's just Bears fans saying that they don't like his nails painted and the fact that he cried on his mom's shoulder yep in the Notre Dame game in the Notre Dame which is the game which that he they threw saw. a ton of yards in it as well yeah I mean, listen the Notre Dame was it, was it was bad but can't have a bad game can't have a bad game Justin Fields was awful <laughs> against Indiana Patrick Mahomes was terrible against Iowa State right these guys have bad games in college it it happens but I just I don't know that to me, that's the unanswerable question that they probably will never know definitively. Wani's story, I know we got a break. Wani's story about Curtis Enos is maybe the most illustrative story of this whole draft process. He's like, we had three dudes on the Bears staff that had worked with him. Like the guy who recruited him to Penn State, the running back coach was like there, and someone else. He's like, we thought we knew. And the guy that was in Happy Valley was a different person than the guy who showed up in Chicago. Hmm. So we knew everything about him. So I think you're always taking a risk on these guys. It's Parkinson's Speedball on the score. Smoking doobies. Doobie brothers. I was smoking doobies with my brothers. Peace out. See you, Chris. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. It's been a long four hours. Afternoons on the score. One, two, you want to Coaching, man. Tough business. Adrian Griffin was fired by the Bucks, 30-13 and 13 record. Immediately, Doc Rivers is linked to the job. Sham Sharania, Sam Amick, and Eric Neem of The Athletic have the behind-the-scenes story as to why. Underwhelming play, internal concerns about the severe decline of their once-elite defense, flawed use of Damian Lillard, widespread fear that this group, which was widely expected to contend for a title, was likely to fall short if they stood pat, losing in the in-season tournament. And then there's this. League sources say Doc Rivers, who signed on as an ESPN analyst after getting fired by the 76ers in May of 2023, began to serve as an informal consultant to Griffin at the behest of the Bucks. One month later, multiple sources briefed on the matter now indicate that Rivers is the serious leader for the now vacant position and the preferred choice of key stakeholders. Uh. Hey, um, our coach is struggling. Doc, can you be an advisor? 
Wink, wink, off the books. One month later, fire the coach, hire this guy. Come meet my new girlfriend. That's <laughs> a tough scene, man. Oh. That's a tough. I mean, Adrian Griffin's like, oh, they're going to give me Doc Rivers as a, this is great. as a consultant. This is great. Bounce some things off him. He's coached stars before. And then you tell your bosses, man, how's everything going with Doc? Great, dude. He's giving me some great advice. He's giving me great <laughs> advice. I'm really leaning on him. Some of these system. positives, they were, they, they were his idea. Oh, oh cool. Cool. Well, we're going to fire you now. Man. And pretty shady by Doc. I'll be the informal consultant. Come on. It's not his fault. You know, the upper, the higher ups went around everything and we're like, hey, Doc, let me talk to you real quick. You're like, hey, what's up, man? Yeah. Hey, if we fired Adrian Griffin, yeah. <laughs> would you be interested in this job? Yeah. Oh, would I be interested in uh, millions and millions of dollars in coaching Giannis and Damian Lillard? Yeah, I think I'd be interested. Uh, this was fun. You want to do it again tomorrow? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right, we'll do it again tomorrow. Is Vegas Hall going to come on tomorrow? Yeah, he'll come on at some point tomorrow just working on his TV schedule, that diva. Love that. Love that. Got something to argue with with Vegas Hall about. Okay. Very excited about that. The, uh, Vegas Hall hates Jason Kelsey, by the way. I want to put that out there before we talk to him tomorrow. Okay. Well, that's a bad opinion. And Dustin does not drink Bud Light anymore. <laughs> okay. That's an opinion. It's also bad. Uh, th- thank you to Peter King. He was on the show today. Who else was on the show? We did something else today. Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden was on the show with Peter King. Thank you to Connor O'Donnell, Kevin Lapka, Twitch chat video stream. Thank you, sirs. Shane Reardon, our executive producer. Thank you, sir. Chris Tannehill making us sound better than we are each and every day. Format Spiegel with Gabe Ramirez. I am Danny Parkins. We are Parkins and Spiegel. This is the score. Pull it down. Pull it down. We did that. We did that. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.